When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Football Social Daily. Premier League Review. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Seven days a week, news and opinion from the best league in the world. And today, it's your Premier League review, albeit a scaled-back version. And if you're a fan of Everton, Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Watford, Brighton, well, you're in luck. If you're of those persuasions, those are the games we're going to be talking about today because, of course, it is the Premier League winter break. And what a time to have it with Storm Kira affecting Manchester City versus West Ham United. That game was postponed so we're not going to be talking about Man City. Unfortunately for you, Ant McGinley, hello. No, I've got some facts if we want to talk about weather postponed games. The last time a game was postponed for Man City because of the weather was in China against United. United, yeah, Yeah. I remember that. Well, I don't. Okay, well, that's me done. I'll see you later. (laughs) The other other voice you can hear is David Scott, also known as our kid. Hello, David. How are you doing, mate? Very well. You've been out and about gigging as well the last couple of weeks. Went down to Truro. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad I chose last week to go to Truro, not not this week. I think you'd still be travelling there, mate, in this sort of weather. Yeah, that's madness. How was the gig though? Yeah, it was brilliant, mate. It's really good. I look forward to getting back down there, maybe seeing more of it, but seeing more of inside of travel lodges and other hotels. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. You should keep a diary, like take some photos. Just we like were talking a, about doing like a, a podcast, scrap, a scrapbook yeah. of is it, is it more like that David Brent film on the road than it is like any of these other illusions you re- think about? It must be like being a musician in a band. Yeah, I did, if, if I put up the real what it's, what it's like really on my Instagram, I'd lose followers. It's <laughs> terrible. It's just like mobile Alan Partridge every night. Isn't it? I love it. Brilliant stuff. I'm Niall McCorn. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for downloading the podcast as well. Your support is always appreciated and your reviews too are always appreciated. So keep them rolling in and we'll read some of them out on the show in the next week or so. But let's talk about the football or let's start with the football that didn't actually happen. West Ham United uh, travelling up to the Etihad Stadium to take on Manchester City. Before we talk about why the game was postponed and Storm Kira and I've actually got a quiz about football postponements later as well. I feel like I'm going to get battered over. How exciting. How exciting. Like, like a wheelie a, bin yeah. in a storm. I was just about to say that. A trampoline, maybe. I'll go for that. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, aside from the reasons why the game was called off, is this a blessing in disguise for West Ham, who are struggling at the moment, and they're struggling for results? 
is this possibly a chance for them to just sort of galvanise themselves, have an extra few days off, knowing that they've got this winter break now to kind of recharge the batteries because they know they're going to need some points pretty desperately? Or will it be a negative knowing that they have to play Manchester City later on in the season when things might be even tighter down the bottom? I think if you just had a quick look at any of the odds some of the, the betting companies were offering, it'll tell you pretty much. Uh, me and my friend were looking at this earlier. 80 to 1 to 90 to 1. Uh, for a 1 0 West Ham win, right? Wow. And it, you were getting 18 to 1 for City to win 6 0. That's oh, how wow. ridiculous the odds were on that. Um, I, I, You know what? I think this was a write off. I think the pro- the problem for them for them is is that if you basically put that as a as a bonus game now, it doesn't leave them many games to get the points that they need. No, and that that's the big issue. Yes, uh, I think for both teams that having the the game off will be great, but I think both of them would have rather have booked a holiday and been somewhere just actually relaxing properly rather than relaxing in the travel lodge, <laughs> yeah. which our kid could tell you all about. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> It just it just depends, really. I think it could have been a blessing in disguise in that they could have got the they could have got their asses kicked for want of a better phrase today, mm. and so and then that could have got their heads down for the rest of the season. I think having a bit of a rest. The question is, when, when did this does this game fit in? I've just been trying to go through the fixtures and figure out when, unless they kind of go, actually, forget the winter break, play it on Wednesday. I, I don't know how, they, how they're going to manage it for both sides. Yeah, it's an interesting point because West Ham had their game against Liverpool back in December, rearranged because Liverpool had to go to Qatar for this Club World Cup and whatnot. And now, obviously, they've got Liverpool to play again. They've got Manchester City to play again. I just think West Ham, unless they know that you know they can build a bit of confidence going into that Manchester City game, I can't see how it could be a positive for them, I think get these sort of games out of the way David what do you think yeah definitely you could, and then you can concentrate on the games that you actually have got a chance of winning yeah. uh, I think mm. with the City game being postponed they've got they've got Liverpool coming up haven't they as well yeah. uh, Arsenal, Spurs and Chelsea I think there's only Southampton that you'd probably expect them to maybe get a, a, a result it's a really scary time if, you, if you're a West Ham fan um, down at the bottom I could see them really getting dragged into it and depending on how well City do in the Champions League that could prolong it towards the end of the season so you would you would take the Man City game now if, unless it's going to be like in the, in the middle of April where you, where, where you expect them to get beat mm. yeah I think a game in hand is always seen as a positive but until you've I think people would rather have the points I think, sure. even if it was just one point mm. you'd, you'd rather have that because you can really point against City is huge for someone like yeah. West Ham in trouble isn't it um, and also as well like I, I don't know I just I've, I've not been in that that relegation fight but I think it moves around so much from the outside looking at especially this season it seems to be more alive than any other season like pretty much it's been nailed on the last couple of seasons at least two of the teams to be going down this season there's so much movement going on there it's like mid-table in the championship yeah, definitely. Mm. I mean, the last couple of times I've been on with you now, Bournemouth have been, we, we, we've written them off and now that they were close to be going up towards seventh or eighth, I think, today, or, or not far off it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, it's, it's quite, it's fluctuating like mad, so you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, the table is very, very close. Um, I think, personally, from a from a neutral perspective, being someone that doesn't support a Premier League team, I think the bottom of the table this season is, is the more fascinating kind of picture between now and the end of the campaign because obviously I think we all know Liverpool have sewn up the title I think everyone's conceded that what's Pep's kind of blueprint now for these Premier League games that ultimately I mean they're not going to catch Liverpool are they? No but the thing is the next game is against Leicester and Leicester's obviously the biggest threat to them getting second place and obviously I mean much of a muchness between second and third when it comes to qualification and it Mm. comes to Mm. uh, the, the money at the end of the season I think just from a, a simple sort of pride point of view, City would much rather uh, have finished second. But 
You know, the thing is, there's a, there's a lot of criticism. There's been a lot of talk, especially about what Pep said this week as well in the press conference about like cycles he was talking about sure. of, of teams and moving through and last week we, we did the show last Sunday and Joe was here and Joe ripped through the City team and said you've got to get rid of him get rid of him get rid of him and I understand that and I understand the, the, the reason people are coming in but at the same time I'm like hang on Liverpool are having a ridiculous season we're still as a City second in the table to them and still in all the trophies which Liverpool aren't we're still in with the shot now we're not going to win Unless every other game gets called off for Liverpool and for, by some kind of weird FA rule, they lose them. Um, we're not going to win the league. Um, Everything's tried to stop Liverpool winning the league. Coronavirus, <laughs> nearly a World War Three outbreak, no, storms cancelling games, yeah. everything. We've tried everything to stop them winning the league. But I see what you're saying. I mean, out of those cup competitions that City are still in, it's got to be the Champions League that they're... Yeah, surely I mean, it'll be, look, obviously, like in the ne- next few weeks, we've got the final of the the League Cup, which is the least um, has got the lowest reputation of all three trophies, shall we say? And that's kind of reflected by playing Villa, Villa in that. And there was a kind of expectation that City will win that going into that, but then it makes me a little bit nervous because it reminds me of Wigan a few years ago in the FA Cup final. Yeah, and we, yeah. we just don't want a repeat of that. Um, I think yes, you're right. Champions League is what this club has been building towards for 10 years really that's what they've wanted it's not just to play in the Champions League it's to be competing for it and we've edged closer and further and we've had uh, better success in the group games and we move forward so I, I, I know that kind of affects a question when they've been so who's going to be seeded in the different rounds mm-hmm. but that doesn't count what we want is the there's that guy walking around Manchester somewhere who got the tattoo like seven years ago oh, I remember that yeah, yeah he got the Champions League trophy tattooed as soon as the new ownership came in and he was like this is it we're going to do it and <laughs> so every single year he's had to have the tattoo redone to change the year and this year he's had to have two numbers done on it because so you know for his sake you know if nothing else we have to go and win it this season I think the club's been built uh, as a priority for it, I, I was at City on Wednesday, um, mm, mm. and the the vibe there is a little bit nervous about the Real Madrid game, mm. uh, which is no mean feat. Although Real Madrid aren't having a great time at the minute, and this is an interesting point, and this is what I've always said about Manchester City in the Champions League. City are nervous of Real Madrid because. They are Real Madrid. I think on the pitch, in terms of how the players are and, you know, 11 v 11, I don't think City have anything to fear. I think their first 11, when on form and with everyone fit and available, is as good as any first 11, including Liverpool's in Europe. But I think this is the thing with Manchester City. Because they've not been in the Champions League for as long as Manchester United or for as long as Juventus or Liverpool or Bayern Munich or whoever, I think they're still building up that prestige, that pedigree. And I think that that's the way that teams from Europe view Manchester City from the outside. People are more scared to go to even Old Trafford, even though Manchester United aren't in the Champions League, I would argue they're more scared to go there because they know what United have done. They've won Champions League trophies in the past. And obviously United are very proud of the European Cups that they've won. Do you think if City win a Champions League, Dave, that that will sort of change the perspective around European clubs about Manchester City? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the same effect that happened when uh, City won the first Premier League title. Uh, You were sort of stuttering your lines towards before before you hit there. And now look, nobody wants to go there at all towards the Etihad. But yeah, you're right. This is a Real Madrid team that you could easily beat. But I, I, I wonder whether... It's a blessing in disguise that you aren't you, you haven't got anything to play for in the league, whether you do rest players, or do you need to be on top form going into the Real Madrid game? And it's interesting what you pose in terms of the, the pressures that go, go alongside it, because mm. if you look when you played Spurs 
uh, and, and, and uh, last last season in, in the semi final. So there is a massive pressure, and I know there's, there's not a lot of loss between the actual UEFA is there and, and Man City. No, fans. and there's, there's, there's still the bearing of the uh, the Champions League anthem. It's still one of my favourite things. And if you've not come across this before, maybe you're new to the Premier League, new cha- to the Champions League. Just just Google Manchester City Champions League and boo, and you'll find the picture <laughs> of the fans that brought in little placards that said boo on them when they were told they were going to be fined if they booed. And so they just and so in the end. Champions League just kind of UEFA just kind of left it and walked away. I, you know, I I think every every fan of every club that's really up there and competing wants it. I think what we're talking about here is reputation. Mm. And so at the minute this season, the Etihad has not been the fortress it was. Right, that honour has shifted to to Anfield definitely. But what's happened is you've still got that reputation from the previous seasons. That's what people look at. I think yeah. in the Premier League, in definitely. Premier League. I think in the in the European scene, I think but that's that takes, maybe that where that I'm getting That takes longer at. because what sure. you're talking about is... is Because re- Liverpool is still, even before this season, even yep. before the Champions League in 2005, Liverpool was still seen as a giant in Europe. Because of what because they had done before. Mm. And I think... So what you're talking... When you, the bigger the scale you move on to, the further back you go, and it's about history. And I know that's a criticism of uh, people throughout, well, the club didn't exist in 2012, yada, 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 yeah. We were here before that. <laughs> it might have just been a bit quieter. But... The, 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 there is history. There is a history of every club, everybody. It's just how well the hit known that history is. Mm. And what happens is when you go and win something major, like Leicester winning the, the Premier League and then getting into the Champions League, you make a splash and people find out, people write stories, it becomes headline news. And that's what happens. And so I think you're right. I think on, on the pitch, we have the, uh, players as good as anything that Real Madrid have gone. Absolutely. But I think that reputation also affects the mentality. Uh, at least from the fans' point of view. I don't know what it's like in the dressing room. Mm. I don't think Pep will be that phased by it. I think he'll desperately want to win it and he'll be working... I don't think he'll have much of a winter break himself. I think he'll be working Mm. heavily towards this. Obviously, the Champions League, a big priority for Manchester City this season and their supporters. What about Sheffield United? Could they be playing European football next season? Chris Wilder has guided the Blades to 39 points by February. They were one of the favourites at the bookies to get relegated from the Premier League this season. Football Social Daily's own Fergal Brennan predicted them to finish in the top 10 at the start of the and season. <laughs> and Ant McGinley, I must say, yeah, give you your props, Ant. And we all pretty much laughed them both out of the studio at that time. Now, look where they are. They're on 39 points in early February. 40 points is obviously the magical mark of safety as everyone knows their game on Sunday at Bramall Lane against Bournemouth went ahead two goals to one I mean the work that Chris Wilder's done at Sheffield United I mean you'd have to say our kid that he'd be in with a shout for manager of the season if it wasn't for Jurgen Klopp well I, I was thinking about that on the, on the way down there and I thought if, as, as a staunch Manchester United fan if I come onto the podcast and say that for me Chris Wilder is manager of the year then people will say it because of my affiliations with, and my dislike of Liverpool but what he's working with, first of all, what on earth gave you the impression that Sheffield United were going to finish where they where they are? It was the team spirit that, that there was that, there was that thing that I saw about them in the Championship last year, and it wasn't even even in the Championship they didn't do like a Wolves and spend loads of money to to to, to come up. There was just something about yeah. them, and and I looked, uh, I also thought there are established Premier League teams that are going to struggle this season, and I, I wasn't necessarily right in naming them all, but I wasn't far off. And just the way, and that is down again a lot to the manager and how he how he puts the team together and how he doesn't. I heard an interview with with him where they were saying that he doesn't necessarily like the the talking about Liverpool, the Dean Henderson mistake that cost yeah. them cost them a result with Liverpool, right? He didn't lay into him. He just sat down, had a word with him, and then that was it, and then moved on. 
And I think that there's a lot comes down to the management style. And so I think in that case, like he knew he was he'd done wrong. Uh, but also, like he was given the chance to prove it, and now there's shouts for him, and I back them to give put him in for a shout of going for England. The England manager? No, Dean Henderson. Oh, is, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the England Wait, no, manager. Hey, why not? While we're at it, well, just move the whole squad over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, might, there might be a conundrum because obviously the, the goalkeeper situation at Manchester United, where United don't actually finish in the Europa League spot, but Sheffield United do, and then we could call Henderson back to <laughs> back to Old Trafford and stop him going into Europe next season. But they've been fantastic. Um, I'd definitely give it. I'd definitely give it Wilder mm. uh, for manager of the year. But you know, today, what did you make of Bournemouth? Obviously, it was a yeah. Well, Bournemouth. I mean, they've shown signs the last two games after being I think they got hammered by Watford they got hammered by West Ham two teams right down there with them and I thought Bournemouth are in real trouble Eddie Howe I mean I was questioning whether he should have been under more pressure and I know what he's achieved at a small club like Bournemouth and let's not make any bones about this Bournemouth are a tiny football club to be playing in the Premier League is an amazing achievement for them in the first place so I think maybe the the magic of Eddie Howe had run out at that point but he, he somehow in the last two weeks managed to turn it around something changed I don't know what it was, whether it was a stern talking to or maybe just January transfer window, players fearing that there might be some signings and kind of they might be booted out of the squad. I don't know what it is, but obviously they've turned up the last couple of weeks. They lost today against Sheffield United by two goals to one. But I definitely think that they've, you know, they've improved in recent weeks, which is a positive sign. And to lose to Sheffield United in the season they're having isn't exactly a disgrace. No, not at all. And they took it to them and they they came out of the box fine. I think that first 20 minutes they were all over them. And uh, Callum Wilson, Callum, scored, yeah, yeah, great to see him scoring again. I mean, there was talk about him possibly uh, moving in the transfer window that this time last year. Chelsea were in talks of a forty million bid for him. Mm. I, I think that that move has maybe gone for him now, long yeah. term, in terms of where they are. But as a player, you, you maybe see maybe that's given him the push that he's needed because he's like. I need to be playing really well now to maybe get a move at the end of the season. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying he wasn't there, he wasn't committed. But the the thing with Bournemouth is they have struggled a lot with a lot of injuries. They're a small club. They've got a small squad. Um, I I don't know if Eddie Howe is running out of gas a little bit. I mean, energy-wise, just in the post-match today, he did seem like a bit... Like he could do with a holiday, like really, like. Well, lucky for them, yeah. two week Premier League winter break. Um, but yeah, as you say, lo- losing to Sheffield United is isn't a problem really on, on the season that they're having. But right now, you can't make that discrimination. No. You've got to be going. Absolutely, we need points. And you know what? The truth of the matter is, the season that it is, ten points in in the, the last sort of twelve games of the season. That might be all they need to get up. Mm. So uh, uh, even if they just scramble a, scramble a draw, that's going to be so vital to them. And that goes for the likes of Villa, Brighton, and and, and we saw that with with uh, West uh, Watford and Brighton yesterday. Yeah. That point is probably more crucial for Brighton than it is for Watford. But Watford. Again, that could come very valuable for them too. Yeah, it's so close down there, and obviously, as you say, Callum Wilson putting Bournemouth into the lead after 13 minutes. It was Billy Sharp who equalised right on the stroke of half-time. Somebody else who I tipped for yeah, you. Yeah, and that, that's his second goal of the season and his first goal since the first day of the season. <laughs> yeah. So well, another yeah. great tip there from, <laughs> uh, from Anthony. Yeah, it's like as you, when you've got like a couple of million left in your fantasy team, yeah, you want somebody else, he's not a bad shout. And I think he only needs a, a, another... Eight or nine goals now to have a hundred for Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean he's he's uh, the the highest goal scorer I, th- I think of the decade. 
um, in the in the top four leagues of English football, I think, across all four divisions. From Get 20, him in for Europe. From 2010 yeah. to 2020, I think he scored the most goals. Um, John Lundstrom then snatched the winner for Sheffield United after uh, 84 minutes was on the clock. So they ended up winning the game by two goals to one at Bramall Lane. And we just touched upon Dean Henderson there. Uh, Jordan Pickford, he's come under a lot of criticism at Everton for how he's kept between the sticks this season. Would you consider Dean Henderson to be England's number one now? I think he's certainly getting very close. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, goalkeeper. The goalkeeper position for England has always been quite. It's up for grabs, pretty, pretty much, isn't it? Uh, he, he put a step wrong against Liverpool, uh, yeah. like you mentioned earlier on. But it's been fantastic and in that Sheffield United defence. For me, if he does come back to Old Trafford, God only knows what sort of performance he's got to be putting in when he's got there uh, Phil Jones in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the true test of a yeah, goalkeeper. That, that, yeah, and I, th- I think the thing is to look, look. You're just looking at the table. The breakdown now. <clears throat> the second only to Liverpool in terms of goals against. Like the the as as a unit, twenty four goals that's all they conceded. Liverpool uh, fifteen, and then next is Leicester on twenty six, and then City and United on twenty nine. Yeah, that's I get, that in itself is an incredible story. So Southgate has options, doesn't he? So he's got Nick Pope at Burnley, Henderson on loan at Sheffield United, Jordan Pickford. I still think Pickford will get the nod just because I don't know whether it's loyalty or whatnot, but I can certainly see why people are considering whether he'll be displaced Pickford keeping goal for Everton who currently have minus four goal difference yeah. and have conceded 38 this season mm. but again that, that's down to the unit that is around yeah, as well yeah. possibly and talking about who's in front of Dean Henderson at Sheffield United Lundstrom scored again um, There's is there a shout Gareth Southgate's been watching a fair few Sheffield United games is there a shout for some of the other players in that squad, in that squad to get a shout for the England squad Southgate said he would pick players on form yeah you, you, you'd hope so I imagine there are going to be a fair few friendlies before the, before the Euro so I, mm. I, um, you'd hope he's going to bring them up Um I'm not too sure. I, I spot Italy, so I'm not too sure on the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> OK, so Sheffield United's 2-1 victory over Bournemouth moves them up to fifth place into the Europa League spots. Europe is still very much a possibility for Sheffield United. As for Bournemouth, they stay in 16th position in the Premier League after their defeat and they take on Burnley next. They are two places and two points above the Premier League relegation zone. Right then, we mentioned at the top of the show about Storm Kira and I know we have a large contingent of listeners from across the pond in North America. So I know our misplaced trampolines and knocked over bins chat kind of pales in comparison to the hurricanes you get over there. But over here in Britain, we have been grappling with that storm this weekend and a several and several sporting events have fallen foul of the weather, including, as we said before, Manchester City versus West Ham at the Etihad Stadium. Uh, football matches being called off for weather isn't a phenomenon. This has happened for years and years and years. Games postponed due to snow, frozen pitches, flooded pitches, etc, etc. So I thought in the wake of today's Premier League postponement, why not engage in a little quiz around some of the more bizarre reasons why football matches have been called off down the years. So you guys, are you up for it? Yeah, I I am up for that. And I have to say as well, on the drive in today, I was thinking, I think they jumped the gun a bit by uh, cancelling the the City-West Ham game. And then the storm properly hit. <laughs> and I was like, okay, good move. We would have seen a couple of players like struck by lightning, I reckon. But it would have been fun to see it to watch. Though. It would have been like a, a nice bit of nostalgia, you know, that match of the day, 1980s and stuff, you know, just getting more running around the pitch. Yeah. It like tram mirror at the Etihad. Yeah, should have gotten playing at tram Just like, you know, somebody scoring, like, you know, from a throw-in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a goal kick that goes all the way back over yeah. the head. That's a, that's a classic. Okay, cool. I have some questions here. You'll both get one stab at the answer each. Okay. So two points if you get the answer spot on one point for the closest guess 
out of the two of you. So you happy with that? Yeah. Yep. So we'll start with, why don't we go Baldis first, and you're answering first then, All right. uh, and then obviously David after that. So He's got qu- the bolder chin though. Qu- qu- <laughs> <laughs> question one. League of Ireland in 2014, Shamrock Rovers versus Bohemians was cancelled. The game was set to go ahead until the referee spotted something wrong with the pitch, and so he postponed the game. What was it about the pitch he was unhappy with? Ant McGinley. Is it? I I, I want to say something like exposed ironworks, like some kind of drain or something okay. that opened up on, on the on the pitch. David, <laughs> got a clue. Um, I don't know, some sort of animal. Animal on the pitch. I can actually tell you the answer was the penalty spot, and he wasn't happy with it, so he called off the game. Because of the penalty spot. Because of the penalty spot, he called the game off because the penalty spot was not up to standard, so the game was cancelled. And for a bonus point, what city do both of those teams hail from? Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians. Uh, I've just got my Irish passport. I should know this. Kerry? Uh, <laughs> uh, Limerick. The answer's Dublin. Very easy, very uh, easy. So we're still tied at 0 Uh Question number two. The non-league game between Froome Town and Chippenham Town was called off in 2015 and rearranged, so the game didn't clash with a prestigious local event. Can anyone guess what the event was that caused the cancellation? Our kid, you can go first on this one. Froome, that's, I, I drove past that last week. That's down there. Um, is it Bristol, Bath sort of way? Correct. Don't they like rolling cheese and stuff down there? I'm going for that. That rolled cheese chasing competition or whatever it is. McGinley? Um, I, think, I think you might be right, but I'll go for... What, what time of year was this at? Do we know? Uh, 2015. I don't know what time of year. Okay. Not a clue. Because there's also down there, they have that game, like one of the original games of football where they play it between the two cities, oh, yeah, the two yeah. towns. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for that one. Okay, well, the answer is it was the annual Froome Cheese Show. Get in! So two points for our kid. He storms into the lead. The annual Froome Cheese Show was taking place on the same day, so the uh, the game between Froome and Chippenham Town was called off because of that reason. And for a bonus point, which of those two towns did I go to school in for a brief period? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a complete guess. Froome or Chippenham? Chippenham. No, bonus point to add. 2-1. Chippenham is correct. (laughs) Right, Liverpool. They're charging towards their first Premier League title since 1990, back when it was called the Old Division 1. They also won the league in 1988, but they missed their first three home games that season due to a problem at the cop end of Anfield. Can anyone take a stab as to what was wrong with the stand? It was a problem with the stand, not the pitch. With the stand. Um... Okay, I think that was too early for conservationists for it to be like there were some bats nesting there. So I'm going to go for some kind of uh, leaky pipe. I'm going to say the toilets were off. Wow. Okay, so considering I have to give a point to whoever was the closest, the correct answer was a collapsed Victorian sewer underneath the cop end of Anfield. So, fair play. I'm going to give points to both of you there. Okay, I'll take that. Uh, So, so one point each. So, what's that? 3-2 now to our kids. So, fair play. That's a pretty good answer. So, a collapsed Victorian sewer. They actually didn't play their first home game of the season, Liverpool, uh, until mid-September that year, 1987, going into 88. Next question. Sometimes it isn't the pitch. Uh, 
an annual cheese show or even a collapsed Victorian sewer which causes a game to be postponed because you sometimes get games cancelled due to the death of a dignitary like we saw a couple of years ago when uh, Leicester City and Southampton's League Cup game was rearranged after the sad death of Coombe Vichai, the Fox's owner. But in 2005, Italian juggernauts AC Milan and Juventus postponed their game at the San Siro because of the ailing health of who? Our kid. You're what, up. What, year, what year was? 2005. Who was in poor health, which caused the game to be postponed? Berlusconi, was it? Berlusconi's going with. I'm, I'm going to uh, go for the Pope. The Pope is the correct answer. Yes! And well the Italian What an idiot! <laughs> <laughs> the Pope was not very well, so the yeah. game was called off in 2005 between AC Milan and Juventus. So well done. Two points to you. Puts me in the lead. I think that puts you in the lead by a point. I'm, I'm, not, gonna be, I'm not gonna be allowed back into church. Have you ever met the Pope? No. Yeah. I, I actually saw Papa Francesca. Okay. Francesco in uh, Francesco in uh, the Vatican in the Basilica. And it was, I just happened to be there and there was a funeral happening for one of the cardinals that had died and he was conducting the mass. So he he walked past, so about 15 metres from me. But it was almost as good as when I met Pep. So. <laughs> was Pep wearing the, did he have the, the staff in his hand Pep? Uh, anyway for a bonus point you can kind of redeem yourself slightly here Dave who was the Pope at that time I don't know is it yeah I uh, don't know my clubs in Dublin but I know my clubs <laughs> <laughs> very good uh, I don't know Pope Pete Pope Pete yeah go on then uh, is it Benedict it's not oh it's Pope oh. John Paul II and then Benedict came in just after he died Pope John Paul II I've seen, you know what well, I've seen John Paul play as well one of the one of the famous sons of Krakow in Poland John yeah. Paul II John Paul came to Heaton Park in the 80s as, as a kid was on my dad's shoulders well that was why it was called off the Pope was uh, in poor health in 2005 right next question what was everyone doing on the 11th of August 1999 can you remember that far back any ideas what you might have been doing around? When you say there? everyone. Well, most people. Well, it, well, everyone in the UK anyway would have been doing this, oh, or at uh, least affected by okay, it. Okay, uh, it was a solar eclipse. Interesting. Well, try and cast your mind back if you can. Torquay's United's home game against Portsmouth that day was called off by the local police. They felt that they didn't have enough manpower to deal with both a football match and a significant influx of tourists to the area on the same day. Something happened for the first time in 62 years. So for two points, what was the event? Solar eclipse. He's just said it, I know. He's got it. He's got it. He's nailed it. <laughs> Smashing, Smashing it. it. Smashing it. I'll, I'll take the cheese and I'm coming back like Sheffield United. <laughs> wow, it was the solar eclipse. They only had 62 years to prepare for it, the local police, and they still didn't manage to go off with plenty of time I to think spare. it was one of those where it was the, the only place that wasn't cloudy. It was like the best place to see it. And do you know there was those things where they said, you know, if you're going to look at it, look at it with a pinhole camera. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know someone who didn't do that and burnt their retina. Really? Yeah. So. so what does that put you? Three points in the lead now? Or four points three, in the lead? Four points. Four Whatever. points I, you know what? Three, four doesn't make a difference. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, chance to uh, gain a bonus point here. How long from now do we have to wait until the next full eclipse of the sun? 41 years. I'm going to go 42. Yeah. 42 years. And wins the bonus point. It's actually in 70 years' time. 70. September 2090. Yeah, so and they, they start recruiting the police now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Storm Kira is wet and windy, but in 1963, the big freeze took place in Britain with temperatures dropping to a crazy minus 19 degrees Celsius in wow. some parts of the country. Again, apologies to our Canadian friends. We know that is, in fact, mild weather <laughs> for you guys over there right now. Yeah, and, and, and in Norway at the minute as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, the cold snap lasted for so long in Britain, the Scottish Cup tie between Adrianians and Stranraer was postponed so many times, it set 
a new record for the most times a football match has been cancelled. But how many times was it cooled off? I'm going to go seven times. I wanted to say seven. So seven I'll go times. Six. I'll go six. Six times. Well, our kid gets the point because he's the closest. Ah. I tell you what, I'll give you a bonus point because it's way higher than that. We'll give you another shot. 14. 15. 33 times it was <laughs> The game was called off what? 33 times, which is a British record to this Thanks, day. So how, 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 what, was that, what was the duration of time? It was, it was in 1963. I don't know. I think it was two months after the game was scheduled to be played. It finally got played. Um, and wow. the, my bonus point question was going to be who won the Scottish Cup that season, but you were so far off. I thought you were going to go wild, like 50 get 50 times, but no, 33 Rangers won the Scottish Cup that year. Wow. But yeah, Adrianians and Stramra, 33 times that game was called off. Right, last couple of questions. Rewinding to the 80s now. 1985, in Football League Division 2, Oldham are travelling to Sheffield United for a match, only for the game to be called off due to an inanimate object being found in the car park just metres away from the stadium. What was that object, Ant McGinley? What year was this? 1985. An, an inanimate object? Yeah, wasn't moving. Was it a meteorite? I'm going to say some form of like World War two bomb or something. He's nailed it. Oh. It was a £2,200 unexploded World War II bomb, which had been undiscovered for over 40 years. So Just convenient that... that pops up in a cup tie, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I oh, think... Don't fancy our chances today, lads. <laughs> Roll out the bomb. Roll out Bertha. Depending on... I think that makes our kid two behind now with one question left to play, and there's still a bonus point of this question to go. I'm so glad he's keeping score. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, for the bonus point, how long did it take them to defuse the bomb? Three weeks. Uh, just got a week. A week would have been the closest answer. 38 hours took them to defuse the bomb. So just one under point. two days. So one point behind it's going into the, the title final <laughs> question of the quiz. When was the last time United were a point off the top? <laughs> How exciting is this? <laughs> Okay, this cancellation happened in 2008 in the Dutch Eredivisie, where Groningen welcomed Ajax. Apparently in this game, the atmosphere was absolutely amazing. Groningen fans displayed a rather unique way to demonstrate their support. But during the match, a fire started in the stands, which then spread to the pitch, which in turn caused breathing problems for the players. And so the match was abandoned by the police. But what caused the fire in the stands. I love the fact that they only called the game off when there was breathing problems for the players. Not like when there's a fire for the people in the stands. Um, okay. Was it a birthday cake? Like somebody had a birthday cake in the stands and they lit the candles and that started the fire. Okay. Birthday cake. Remember, oh, I'll take, really? cl I'll I'll take closest, uh, closest. The obvious answer would probably be flare, but I think that'd be too obvious. I'm going to go for cigarette. It's going to be tough to decide who gets the point there because they're both oh, they're both close enough the actual answer was a toilet roll that was on fire what if somebody got the me Groningen, that a birthday cake the Groningen fans decided to throw toilet rolls on the pitch and they got a bit excited and one of them lit them on fire so it was a blazing bog roll which caused a fire in the stands and caused the game to be cooled off and was that because of the threat to health and safety from the fire or because no the one could fire, use the toilet the, the fire the smoke everything um, wow. the reason the game was cooled off because that of must a have looked like the, the, the opening sequence from Gladiator <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> okay I'll tell you what it was pretty close so I'll give you a point each for that but there is a chance for a bonus point to tie it up for for david if he gets it to win it for ant to clinch it the bonus is who was the ajax striker on that day what year was it again 2008 mine's gone blank 
I'll go Van Persie. Van Persie. Just having a dramatic pause. It's <laughs> <laughs> means more editing for me, yeah. the podcast. I also suddenly realised that my first answer was like way out because I was like, <laughs> oh no, it can't be, it can't be the original Ronaldo because he'd retired by that point. I'll go Van Nistelrooy. Luis Suarez. Oh, Luis Suarez. Still win. Well, guys. so fair play and the winner. Well done, man. Good quiz, but some rather bizarre postponements there over the years. And some bizarre answers and as well. Some bizarre answers as well, indeed. <laughs> you need to brush up on your popes. 100%. 100%. This is Football Social Daily, your Premier League review show. Don't go anywhere because after the break, we'll be talking less about blazing bog rolls and more about Crystal Palace versus Everton and Brighton versus Watford. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League Review. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Niall. Alongside me, we've got Ants and Arkid. David Scott as well in the studio. We've been talking about the small matter of Premier League games that took place across this weekend. Just the four of them. Well, three of them, in fact, because Manchester City versus West Ham United was called off due to Storm Kira, uh, the game falling foul of the weather. And the conditions certainly haven't been great here in Manchester over the weekend. Conditions weren't great for Brighton either, as they played Watford in their Premier League game this weekend. And the reason I say that is because Watford probably deserved to come away from the game with all three points but in the end it ended a goal apiece Decore scored a great goal to put Watford in the lead but it was an own goal from Adrian Mariapa which ensured that Brighton came away from the game with a point as well like you said earlier on and these two teams both in search of points and I think we're going to see that a lot over the remainder of the course of this season teams going up against each other that both desperately need the points and it should make for some exciting football over the next couple of months yeah I think it's been I mean, a lot of people have been surprised by Watford, but we've got to remember, effectively, the end of last year was a blip for Watford because they did, after all, reach the FA Cup final, and you don't really do that by accident. Um, they obviously didn't have a great performance in the FA Cup final and then been through a couple of managers, all those changes. I think Pearson has just come in and done what, done what he does. Uh, similar to Ancelotti a lot. I think there's not necessarily a style of play. It's more a simplification mm. and working with what he's got mm. and reinvigorating them and giving them a sense of confidence. And I, I think they'll be upset to have thrown thrown the three points away. Um, I mean, it's a terrific on goal. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm just watching it again. And it's like <laughs> such a finish. I mean, it looks like he, he, he's cleared it over the bar, but it's... Uh, yeah, just, uh, it's a real kind of like, if Raheem Sterling had done that, you'd be like, yeah, he does that every week. He's been practicing that on the training ground. Uh, but still, I think, from Watford's point of view, they've got a point. They've got a point. And, it, and if they can get a point from each of their remaining games, that that's going to, might just be enough to see them up. Um, but I think they've got more in them than that. I think um, it's a great result for Potter and, and Brighton. Uh, I'm a really big fan of what he's doing there. I wonder, I do worry if maybe he's been a little bit more creative and tricky. Was Pearson has come into Watford and simplified things and just gone here, you know, play it simple, get it here. Whereas you're trying to have a more expansive game at Brighton, which I'm sure it, it is is great to to watch compared to things that have gone on. But I have heard fans saying, you know, they maybe rather go back to what they had before and be in the league than see that football. But it, it seems to be that eternal question that people have, especially. Well, everywhere in the table. Yeah. 
I mean, I remember when Jose Mourinho was at United and people said, oh, the football's rubbish. They were just finished second in the league and won the Europa League. But people wanted this, looks like the West Ham way, the Man United way of playing football. But I yeah. thought Brighton were the better team today. And I think they'll, they'll take the point that, that, that they got. Um, do you get worried if you're Nigel Pearson now, though? Because I think that's eight points dropped from the last three games in winning positions. Mm. I, I mean, I think the thing is, in, in that position where you are, you're going to target games that you go. I, th- I think that's the way to go. They go. This we we focus. Let's win this one. If we get a point against that, that's going to be great. I think there'll be disappointment, but I think Pearson is very pragmatic. I think where he is now is an infinitely better position to where he took over. Yeah, and I think he's the kind of manager that does well when he's up against it. He's not fashionable. I don't think people like him as much in the terms of like your Peps or your Mourinho's he's not the charismatic type he's quite abrasive in interviews as well mm, for and, sure. and that's and again I'm, I, that's his right to be the, the way yeah. that he is but he pulls out results and a lot of a lot of my friends who are Leicester City fans put that victory down as much to person as they do to um, Ranieri, Ranieri when he came in for laying down the foundation for laying down the foundation because Ranieri did his Tinkerman thing and basically just tinkered with whatever was there and uh, Pearson is is very good in this kind of situation in this battle in the sim- similar way to the likes of you know traditionally you bring in the likes of Allardyce to get somebody to stay up I think Pearson is, is that and then some as well I mean the only positive you could think of Watford is the fact that the West Ham City game was called off and West Ham's game in hand over Watford is against Manchester City. Aston Villa also have a game in hand. But I mean, the fact that they've even dragged themselves to within a fighting chance, our kid, is decent enough as it is, isn't it? I mean, not that the the fans would be happy with finishing in the bottom three, but considering what we were talking about just before Christmas, that it was done and dusted for them, the fact that they've dragged themselves out of it is commendable, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's like what Ant said, he he stripped it back to to basics in some ways and they're doing the simple stuff. Uh, I can really see them staying up with, with what we were talking about before with the, um, the what's going on in the in, in the relegation zone uh, who, who, who they got next after this game so Watford have got Manchester Oof. United next you got, so if, you're, if you're looking today this could be uh, two points they could have three points they could have really done with they've got Man United then Liverpool Leicester, Leicester are coming up so if you look at this this could be a, a one that could, that could be the one that sends them down but I, I think Watford will stay up but Pearson, like you were saying, Andy, he's never, he's never animated when they when when they did sort of turn the corner when he joined. He, he wasn't getting overly excited, was he? And I think he's he is very. I, I think the thing is, he realizes it's a long road and it's not going to be done by one at this stage. Anyway, it's not going to be decided by one goal or one point. It's he's just got to build it up and he's got to get that in the bank. And uh, he's, in, in a sense, it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for him to come in because there was no expectation, literally. There was no expectation. Everybody was written off. I think if you probably put a bet on them to go down, they probably would have paid out by that point. Yeah. Um, I think a question mark as well in terms of Brighton is the fact that, you know, of the games they've played recently, um, they obviously drew 1-1 with Watford. Before that, they drew 3-3 with West Ham. So that's two relegation rivals. They then lost 3-1 to Bournemouth before that, drew 1-1 with Aston Villa and lost to Everton. So of the teams that they've kind of faced off against, there's been a lot of draws. And as you say, I mean, you'd rather draw and pick up one point than than lose, of course, Mm. and get zero. But sometimes you need to just do more than that. And I mean, it would have been more beneficial for them to win two of those games and lose the other three. I think the problem is from Brighton's point of view is looking at their fixtures coming up, where are they going to get the points? 
because their next game's away, and we already talked quite a lot in this podcast about Sheffield United. They go to Bramall Lane next. They've got Crystal Palace, which is a potential option. Then it's Wolves, Arsenal, and then they're taking on, in about the space of three weeks, Leicester, Man United, Liverpool, and Man City. So th- there's only the Norwich game that you would look at and go, okay, that's going to be a good place for them. Yeah. So th- they're then moving into a situation where you're potentially relying on other teams to do badly rather than you having your, your own fate in your own hands. Yeah, definitely. Right then, what about the final game we're going to talk about on today's podcast? Everton 3, Crystal Palace 1, the early kickoff on Saturday at Goodison Park. Crystal Palace, well, Roy Hodgson will have been tearing his hair out. He is the oldest manager in the Premier League right now and he's got plenty of experience to boot and that experience has told him over the last two to three transfer windows he wants new strikers, Dave, and new fullbacks. Well, they brought in Gent Tosin on loan from Everton so he couldn't play against his parent club. Uh, they let Connor Wickham go out and they couldn't recall their on-loan striker Alexander Serloth, who's at Trabs on Spore and scored, he's already scored 20 goals this season. So they also didn't bring in any fullbacks because a late move fell through as well for a West Brom fullback that they were chasing. So Roy Hodgson's come out and banged the drum saying, I need these players and he's not really got any of them. So is it any wonder that maybe the results on the pitch for Palace are starting to slide? Yeah, I, I fully expected them to do a lot of investment in uh, in January, but it seems to be a bit of a yin-yang season for Crystal Palace because they started, they started quite well. I remember when they beat United all Trafford mm. but am I right they haven't got a win in the in 2020 yeah they, I mean year. they were up around the Champions League spots when you when you played them yeah. right? you're making it sound like beating United's a big thing alright shut up but they're six points now after relegation zone so they're, they're, like we've been saying that they could easily get get sucked into it um, but I didn't know Hodgson was the, the oldest manager in the world. it doesn't really surprise yeah. me yeah. <laughs> yeah well Pellegrini was as well but he got sacked of course by West Ham so Hodgson takes that mantle the, the interesting thing though again and this is about the craziness of their season. They are six points off relegation, but they're all six points, also six points off being level with Everton. Yeah, you know that's just the it's unpredictable. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, but maybe that's part of the frustration for Hodgson. He's kind of going, if he's done this this well and done this much, and considering where the Palace were when he came in and took over. Um, they were they were basically the Watford of the season yeah. that he, he came in, and he's done some brilliant things with them. He's he's a manager with. Like, well, he's definitely got more experience than anybody else in the Premier League and probably in, in the major leagues across mm. Europe as well. There's a few people. He's that revered do. in Sweden. Oh, they God. They love of Hodgson in Sweden. They absolutely love him. And he's managed Inter Milan in the past. And obviously, he was the England manager. And so Liverpool. Liverpool, too. So he's definitely got experience in, in the Premier League as well. I, th- so I think you could see him go at the, the end of the season because. Like, what more does he want to do? Like, if he's, if he's just going to be there to sort of like keep them up, keep them keep up, them up. Yeah. I don't think that's that's worth him doing that anymore. Is it keeping him excited? I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. How, how do you keep the enthusiasm with, with the career that he's had? Millions of pounds. Uh, seven, <laughs> how, how, many mil, much mil, how many millions do you need at the age of 72? What, I mean, what, what, what do you want that you haven't already got? Yeah. Fair, it's a yeah. Fair striker. <laughs> yeah, a striker. Just go, go out and buy it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we must say, I, I slag off the Crystal Palace strikers. Christian Benteke did score Crystal Palace's goal in what was ultimately a 3-1 defeat. But if you look here, Everton, I know you can't read a game off stats before you guys attack me on social media, <laughs> but Everton, 14 shots, eight of which were on target. So more than half. Crystal Palace, 10 shots, 
two of which were on target and of course one of which was the goal so they are clearly not getting enough out of their front players um, Wilfred Zaha has his time to move on possibly gone as well because there was lots of rumours in the summer about him going to Arsenal or Chelsea handed in a late transfer request didn't get his move no one came in for him in January I think similar situation Crystal Palace knowing they needed players weren't going to ever let him go but do you think that maybe his kind of golden season has passed him by now? I can't see that. I, I, he's far too talented. I think uh, Zaha's problem is his, um, his attitude when, when, when things... Cause he's wanted to move away pretty much the last two seasons, but I could see him heading towards uh, Arsenal in the summer. Did you, mm. He's just too good not to, be, not, not, to be, not to be moving on for me. Yeah, interesting. We'll have to wait and see what happens there with Wilfred Zaha, but Christian Benteke uh, grabbing the goal in the 51st minute for Crystal Palace. I think uh, that's equal to his goal tally for last season as well, probably. isn't it? Probably. He's, he's very much... I mean, for the fact for Palace to rely on him, and Connor Wickham, who they gave a new deal despite having eight months out with injuries. Well, yeah. It's absolutely mind blowing. Um, I, I wonder what the Crystal Palace. But fans I, think. I tell you what, what a party it must have like party been in the Benteke household when when your dad scored. No, <laughs> surely not. But the same with the Sharp household as well. By the sounds yeah, of it, yeah. going by Ant's fancy football tips. Um, certainly, if you're a Crystal Palace fan and you're listening to the show. Why not get in touch with us at the Sports Social on Twitter and at Sports Social on Instagram? I want to know your thoughts on the situation. What are you expecting from your side probably next season now? I think you probably will stay up and I think it's this, too late this, to reach Europe. This question, Forgive me for jumping in there, but that question annoys me a little bit about what, what do you expect from your side and where should you be in the table? And I think really for every football, it's supposed to be parity really, isn't it? That was the part of the whole Premier League coming in and everybody's got a chance, but there is there's almost like a caste system that's come in, you know, and it's not official, but you have your top six, your mid-tables, your relegation favourites. Yeah. But then it's it's almost like, I find it a little bit insulting when people say, you're expected to be around there. I'm like, I but as a football fan, you want to win. Yeah, yeah, 100%. that's what you want. Yeah, 100%, you want to be competitive. Now, if I was a Crystal Palace fan, I'd be bored to the back teeth. I mean, you, you, you never get bored of watching your team. When you're a fan, you're a fan. You go every season, it's what you do. But I would be bored. Like Stoke City... I think they got to the FA Cup final once and finished in Europe once in the 10 years they were in the Premier League. The rest of the time, it was Tony Pulis mid-table. Long throw-ins. I'm just like, oh, I'm sick of it. I would just be sick of it. I mean, Crystal Palace, they got to the FA Cup final in 2016. They were beaten by Manchester mm-hmm. United in the end. So they that was their... I mean, Crystal Palace fans now on social media still talk about that day, despite the fact they lost, to see Crystal Palace at Wembley. I mean, but that's the, the as, clubs, a, as a fan. But like the club's you... been ex- in existence, Ant, since 1905, Crystal Palace. They've never won a trophy. Never. Oh, wow. Not won anything. You know, I mean, how how frustrating must that be as a supporter? You, I mean, I know, I know the financial security and well-being of the club is paramount, and I totally understand that being a Portsmouth fan myself. But surely, I mean, I'm not saying go hell for leather with investment and try and win a trophy. But, but, but then this is but the excitement that comes with it all is about, and the fact that they got to that FA Cup final against United, who they'd had those great FA Cup games against in the, in the early nineties with Ian Wright at the time. Um, it, 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 that's the joy, that's the passion, the excitement that comes, the possibility that it could be. And yeah. it's the hope that kills you, I guess. Is it the fan. moments like beating Manchester City at the Etihad last season with Andros Townsend's absolutely pile oh, driver yeah. volley into the top? Is that the moments that Crystal Palace fans, without disrespect to them, do you know what I'm saying? The, the moments they look back at and think, yeah, that's why we're a fan. I think so. I think I think every <clears throat> I think every club uh, has a different Everest to climb, really, mm. depending on the, the the financial situation at the club. And obviously, 
if Palace stay afloat, you never know the London club. You never, you never know what's going to happen. You could never have dreamed ten years ago what's happening now at Man City, could you? No. So, so, no. You know, but it's never been boring being a Man City fan. It's certainly never been boring. No, no. Been... I just think it's fascinating in the Premier League at this time when you see all the teams in the league, and everyone deserves to be in the Premier League because they got there on merit or by whatever method they got promoted from the Championship. But if you look at some of these teams, Norwich, Watford, uh, Bournemouth, Brighton, Crystal Palace. Burnley. I'm not saying that they're smaller clubs, but well, I am. I am. Saying, I am saying that they're smaller clubs. I'm not saying well, they smaller don't clubs be bigger clubs all the time. That's uh, why they, everybody absolutely. loves the but FA then Cup. You look in the Championship, you see Leeds and Nottingham Forest and teams like that that have been down there languishing for years and years and years, and their expectations, irregardless, is to be in the top league. It's to be in the top flight, which is why I was pretty baffled when Aston Villa beat Leicester in the Carabao Cup semi-final. There was a pitch invasion. This is a club that in 1982, Aston Villa, won the European Cup. Why are they pitch invading? They're going to Wembley. They were at Wembley last summer for the playoff final and they won. Because it's, it's, not like, it's, it's not like they never get also, to Wembley, is it? Yeah, but also there's going to be a lot of fans there that were in the early 30s that weren't even alive when, when they were, were in the cup final in 82. So this is their first opportunity. And, and that's the thing you've got to realise is that, yes, I, I completely understand what you mean about the history of the club, but there's also your own personal history like from your first game to who you went with to your memories, your favourite players, all those things that affect you. And it's football's an incredibly emotional game. And I think it's different for each person. And I think going back to where we talked about Sheffield United earlier and me predicting them to stay up and you asking me why, I think part of the reason why I predicted them to do well was I'd seen them play. Yeah. And a lot of people hadn't seen them play and just went, oh, it's Sheffield United, just knowing nothing about it and just wrote them off. And which, to some extent, some football clubs might have done that. They've come up against the season, expects to. I, I, I fully think when United went to uh, to that to what's it called Bramall uh, Lane. To, to Bramall Lane in the season, that they expected to walk all over them, and they, and, and they, were, they, were, they were very close to come back with, with, with one point. Mm. But is it, it? This is what I don't get about Palace. How much did they'd get? Seventy million, wouldn't they, for Zaha? Oh yeah. If, if yeah. you know you you know you need that amount of investment, and you know you've not got a player that's going to do a hundred percent for you, what are you holding on for? You know, do you know what I mean? What 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 is what is the ambition of the board there? How much did they get for Wambasaka in the summer? Why is that money not being reinvested into the? Mm. Yeah, fifty million they got for yeah, Wambasaka. Yeah, so, 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 so if you've got fifty million hanging around and you need a striker, I, then that, 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 I think is, that's a frustration. Yeah, having, having seen the books and some football clubs, I don't think that money just hangs around. As soon as it comes in, it goes out and pays yeah. wages oh, and goes yeah. everywhere. Else. I get that. I mean, if you look at West Ham, who uh, uh, managed to buy Seb Haller for forty-five million, um, I still think as as underwhelming I think as Haller's been this season. I think he's been all right, but he could be better. He's still better than Benteke. He's still better than what they've got. And for 45 million, what you got lost Wembasaka for, you know, you're still going to get someone decent enough to come in and do a job. That's my opinion anyway. But let's talk about Everton because they did win the game by three goals to one. Goals from Bernard, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well, sealing the deal late on for the Toffees at Goodison Park. No team since Christmas, apart from Liverpool, their cross-city rivals, have picked up more points than Everton since Carlo Ancelotti's come in. He's done an unbelievable job. They've gone from being in the relegation zone and looking pretty much like they're going to be in a scrap for the rest of the season to now seventh and knocking on the door of European football. Honestly, Ancelotti saved my life because I also predicted Everton to finish top six this season. So and now up to seventh, it's, it's a possibility. Slightly less embarrassing than they don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, I, I think what Ancelotti's done is, is, like I said, the comparisons with Pearson's are there. And also what I like about him is he, he just when you... He's not the most fashionable man. He's not the obviously he's got a great reputation. He's, he's been to a lot of clubs. He's won a lot of things, uh, and yet he's not really 
he seems to be just below the likes of Pep Guardiola and Mourinho when people talk about him, almost. There's just, for whatever reason. And yet I think he doesn't come with like a way or a philosophy as such. He just works with what he's got and works really, really well. And that's, the you know, I, I don't think you could have predicted, I mean, he's, he's done well for uh, under-21s for England, uh, but he's never really lit up Everton as Calvert-Lewin until Ancelotti's come in yeah, and given him a chance. And it's it's not necessarily like the kind of striker you would associate with some of his other teams either. It's the fact that Everton have done it with basically no midfield. You know, Carlo Magnifico, the Everton fans call him, you know, the maestro, the Italian maestro. He is a legend. And I think, although you might be right in in terms of the way he's spoken about or mentioned even, isn't on the level of Pep, Mourinho, Klopp. He is undoubtedly, for me, in the top bracket of European managers. Mm. What he's won at AC Milan, what he's won, I mean, even won the double at Chelsea when he was last in the Premier League. You know, he is a hell of a manager and he's shown exactly why he's such an experienced guy and exactly why he's been so successful because he's taken Everton from where they were to where they are now in the blink of an eye. I, I thought I'd woke, I woke up and I was still drunk when I seen that Ancelotti had taken over at Evan. Because <laughs> seriously, because there's no way on earth that that, that I would put them two to, to, together. Because and that's with lots of respect to Everton, but you've, you've, you've just got Marco Silva. You know, it was who got sacked from Watford, didn't he? So that the sort of way you're looking for for, for, for managers. Ancelotti for me, and I know what you're saying, he's one of the greatest managers of all time. I, I just don't think he, he, he carries around the, the sexy pet badge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's pretty- <laughs> should, we, should we have a look at the teams that he's managed? We said this when he first took over. Reggiana, Palmer, Juventus, AC Milan, Chelsea, PSG, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Napoli, Everton. And I think it's, it's an it's, unbelievable but CV. Pe- people would have said that if you said about Pep Guardiola coming to, to City even like 10 years ago, people would have left you off. Like, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. And even when I think a lot of when when Pep was going to announce where he was going, yeah. I think a lot of people expected him to maybe come to United if he was coming to the Premier League. But I can say, and, and with, with respect, I could see Pep going to Man City because of the money. And and I'm not, you know, and, and I think that you know it, it was it would be attractive as City have given him more of a budget to go out and spend, whereas. Wherever Everton were in the league, and I know Ancelotti got got, got sacked from his, from his previous job, but um, I I, f- I think they'll finish higher than Man United this season. I really do. I mm. I had a talk Ancelotti instead of Solskjaer as Man United manager. That's how highly I I uh, think as well, especially with plans have been submitted for that new stadium as well, which is very exciting. Yeah, it almost looks like a floating island. What they've proposed. Yeah, and so Everton c- could have a really good you know tw- 20s if you will yeah. with the the potentials there and uh there is plenty of investment though and they've announced record losses and things like that so maybe that is one to keep an eye on um and Ancelotti is one of the highest paid managers on the planet at Everton wow. and I don't think he would have taken the job if it wasn't for that big pay yeah no 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 yeah yeah but it, it, there, there is a statement that comes with it you know it's that moment you kind of go we we got this guy you know and it's it's like a marquee you know, and I think a manager signing can be as important as a player signing course, as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, like the whole, the whole for all, and obviously it's not worked out that way now for the deadline with Pogba. But it's suddenly like you know that is a it's a marketing thing. Yeah, it's a boost for the players. It's other teams look at it and go, "That's frightening." You know, I've got I've got to think twice about it now. Interesting that he didn't do that much activity in the transfer window. Um, well, Richarlison was subject to a hundred million euro bid from Barcelona, which was just staggering. I think when a lot of people saw that, it was kind of eye opening. Yeah, well, you know what? If you look at where Richarlison's played for for Everton, of course, he came from Watford when Silva came over as well. He's kind of played all over the park a little bit. And what uh, Ancelotti's done is he's playing him up front in, in, in a, like a four two two, pretty much. And 
I think he's just relishing that. I think he's yeah. still, if you're playing, uh, if you're playing fantasy football, I think he's still down as a midfielder as well. So you get more points every time he scores. <laughs> so there you go, a little tip for you. All the talk about Angelotti, he could still only manage a two-two draw at Fratton Park against Portsmouth, couldn't he? Had to bring the big guns. Oh, had to get Ronaldinho off the bench and Inzaghi to, to grab him the draw in the Europa League. Um, <clears throat> and we talk about was Chris, that? we talk about Crystal Palace and clubs having their day. Well, that was 2008 history. Portsmouth yeah, against still talking about Fratton right? Park. Yeah, but have you seen crazy. the managers that like, since the, since David Moyes left uh, Everton? So they had Martinez, Unsworth, Cooman, Allardyce, Silva, Ferguson, and then you get Ancelotti walking into Goodison Park. That 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 alone is just a, it's just incredible to get to get that signing, regardless of the money that he's got. That the, the boost across the club. I just yeah. think the, the, there's something there as well where I, I think you're right about the money, but also I think people will pay you money to do anything these days effectively, and so you've got there's got to be something where they believe in the project. Like yeah. the, 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 for them to come over and go, look, these are the plans. This is the stadium we want. This is where we envisage. This is where we want to go, and this is what we would like you mm. to do. Yeah, so, so I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be uh, bitter rivals in terms of talking about Pep and stuff. And I, 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 no, fully, yeah. I fully agree with you that, that when he came over to City, everything that you've turned into now was sort of lay before him. But I mean, that, that obviously that that's what he bought into. But how much of that ambition has I've ever got? Obviously, got the new club. But then so. you see this. This then bumps right up against this this culture we have of sacking managers really quickly because somebody like Ancelotti, they come in and obviously it's a big project. There's a big yeah. There's a, there's a big contract in place. There's all this, but then if they have a bad season next season, are they going to cut him loose? Or will they, you know, and then what is a bad season? You know. Well, I think what's interesting is if we look at the table as it is now and Everton finish in seventh at the end of the season, they would have finished above Manchester United. Um, they would have finished below Tottenham, Sheffield United, Chelsea, Leicester, Man City, and obviously Liverpool. Now, if you take Sheffield United out of that, considering the season they've had is, is insane, really, um, you can boost everyone up a place there in that sense, and they would have probably finished around sixth and seventh. Is that not what we would have expected of Everton anyway? Whether Ancelotti was in there or not. Ancelotti comes in, he's an, he's an amazing manager, but then obviously that... That position, I think, under Marco Silva stays the same under Ancelotti. I don't think just well, they because... they wouldn't have finished there if Silva is... No, I, yeah, I, I agree that. But I'm just saying, in terms of ambition at the start of the season, if you had had Ancelotti in from the start, I still think his remit would have been the same as what Marco Silva's was, was regardless of how much more experience he's got, which I think is quite an interesting concept, really. Um, the fact that Ancelotti's more likely to do it is a different thing. But certainly the fact that those two would have probably had the same ambitions... I think, I think the fact that Ancelotti maybe. comes in with... Like, bear in mind that Marco Silva has never won anything. And Ancelotti is a ridiculous record, not just in terms of the clubs that he's been at, but yeah, the success that he's had as well. Manager. What a manager! Yeah, and so and, and that that's the thing. So sometimes you can go like we said with with uh, when Leicester won it, was that Pearson, was that Ranieri? But that 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 can happen to you once. It's not going to happen to you like fifteen, twenty times. <laughs> and so you know he has that pedigree, he has that results, and I, I, I honestly, I I'm a little bit nervous that you know that Everton could have the kind of 2020 that Liverpool had in 2019. You know, the ridiculous run of results and points and all those things. I mean, the 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 one game where they've lost, I think this 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 year was at City when they went to the Etihad. Um they've got some difficult games coming up. I think if they get through these next six, then they could really finish towards six. So they've got um Arsenal, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Norwich and Leicester mm. that, that's, yeah. that, that's got to be their sticky period and then you'd expect weirdly, them to weirdly like outside of the top three the only team to me that feels like they've been consistent all season if we if we rule out Norwich at the bottom has been Sheffield United 
because mm. they've constantly been between fifth and eighth right, like, yeah. that whole season. Mm. This this is a season of complete inconsistency. The table has been absolutely mad. It's been a crazy Premier League season. It's probably going to continue. The, fo- the, the full-time scores after this weekend's games, Everton 3, Crystal Palace 1, Brighton and Hove Albion 1, Watford 1, Sheffield United 2, Bournemouth 1 and Manchester City versus West Ham was postponed due to the weather. Thanks very much, gents. Thanks for joining us on Football Social Daily. Good thank to you. see you. Cheers, thank um, you. Thanks, Ant. Thank you very much, David, as well. I've been Niall. Make sure you hit subscribe. You'll never miss another episode again. We'll be back tomorrow with more Premier League news and chat. Despite the Premier League winter break, we will still be here. So make sure you hit download, hit subscribe, whatever it may be, and we'll chat to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.